representative of Jesus Christ before Almighty God and in the name of the Father and of His Son Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what I was thinking. I now pronounce you one together. about getting married. Come on, somebody. <laughs> there was a young man and he was just about to get married and they were having the wedding rehearsal and he went to the minister and he said to the minister, he said, listen, he said, I've got a hundred dollars. He said, and he slipped it to the minister and he said, listen, when we get to the part where it says to love and to cherish, to be committed to the end, leave that out, please. So the minister walked away and on the day of the wedding they came together and everything was going really good and the young man was really happy and they got to the part with the vows and they started giving the vows and when it came time for the man to say his vows the minister said will you take this woman and be faithful to this woman will you promise to prostrate yourself before her obey every command and wish she has serve her breakfast in bed every morning of your life and swear eternally before God and your lovely wife that you will never even look at another woman as long as you shall both live the groom gulped and said yes I do <laughs> and then he whispered in the minister's ear and said I thought you were gonna leave that out and the minister said yeah but she gave me more money There was a couple and they were 60 years old and they were celebrating their anniversary and they went to do their marriage renewal vows and as they were on the platform, all of a sudden a genie appeared out of nowhere. And so all of a sudden the genie asked the wife and the husband, listen, you've been faithful to each other for so long. I want to give you something. Just you tell me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. Well, the woman said, well, you know, I'd really like to go on a cruise and travel around the world. Poof! The woman was on a cruise traveling around the world. The genie said to the man, what would you like? And the man said, I'd like a wife that was 30 years younger. The genie said, no problem, poof. And he made the man 90 years old. <laughs> I want you to turn in your Bibles to Malachi. Malachi, if you're Italian, Malachi. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. Malachi 2, verse 13. And God, God is really heartbroken in this, in this scripture. And you can hear the way that he's, he's so heartbroken for the people of Israel. And he says to the people of Israel, he says, I want to tell you, the reason why you're not blessed, the reason why you just keep on crying out for my presence and my presence is not with you and the reason why it seems like you're financially bankrupt and the reason why it seems like nothing's going right in your life is because you're violating some principles that I've laid out. God said number one, he said you're not tithing. He says if you tithe then I can bless you. He said prove me now if you tithe, prove me now that I will not open the window of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Everybody say blessing. blessing. He said, if you do your part, I will bless you. And then he said, not only do you uh, not give a tithe, he said, but, but when you bring your sacrifices to me in worship, he says, you bring blemished animals. You don't bring me the best, you bring me the leftovers. You bring me the injured animals because you can't do anything with it. And you can't be blessed because you're not bringing me the very best. 
And so then he says, another thing you do is, he says, you cry and you weep. He says, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and you wail because he no longer looks with favor. Everybody say favor. favor. The word in the Hebrew for blessing is favor. He doesn't look with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? And the Lord says, it is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. God is saying, I'm a witness. He said, I witnessed when you stood up and you looked at each other and you said that you would be faithful until death do you part. He said, I was there. I was witnessing your vows that you made. And he said, you know what? You didn't make a contract, but you made a covenant with your spouse. And you see, a contract is really a, really a lot different than a covenant. A contract is written with loopholes in case you don't do your part of the contract, the other person can get out of the contract. But he said, you didn't make a contract with your wife. He said, you made a covenant with your wife. And a covenant is a promise not based on the other person, but based on your vow, on your promise. You're saying, I promise no matter what, that I will be faithful to my end of the bargain that I will never ever forsake the covenant that I made the vow that I made he said but I'm witnessing and I'm seeing that you've been unfaithful to that covenant notice what he said has not the one God made you you belong to him in body and spirit and what does the one God seek he seeks godly offspring God was saying the reason why I want you to be faithful to your marriage covenant is because I want children that are secure. I want children that grow up in a family that's filled with love and unity and peace. Not perfect. There's no, there's no family that's perfect. He said, but even when you get into arguments that you are committed to the covenant, that you work out your situations, because as I want a godly offspring, I want children to grow up in a healthy environment. Notice what he said. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself and do not be unfaithful. Wow. God says that when you divorce your wife, when you divorce your husband, you're hating that person and you're doing violence to that person. That's, that's what happens in divorce. It's a very violent thing in the spiritual realm. It's a very violent thing emotionally. And a lot of times it's even a violent thing physically. And God says the ramifications of divorce is so difficult. The symptoms that the children have to walk around with, the strongholds in their life are so great that he said it's not worth it. Now, now last week we talked about the blessing. We talked about the power of the blessing in our life. And we released the blessing. Remember last week we said we were going to reverse the curse and we were going to bless our children that we were going to release and I was so blessed as I I got phone calls this week from people who said Pastor Steve thank you for blessing me thank you for releasing that blessing one young lady came into my office and she said Pastor Steve I've been waiting for my parents to bless me and they haven't but when you got up and said as the pastor of the church as the spiritual parent of the church I bless you she said man I received that blessing she says I was so hungry for a blessing and people are hungry for a blessing and our children are hungry for us to bless them. And so last week we talked about how to reverse the curse and, and, and really release a blessing into our children's life. And we talked about appropriate touch, that we are to lay our hands appropriately on our children and bless them. We talked about the power of the word and how important it is to speak life over our children. As the Bible says, there's power in the tongue to bring what? Life or death. And when we speak life over our children, it energizes them and it blesses them. And then we talked about that we need to see our children as highly valued and that God has created them and that they're not a mistake and that God wants them to prosper and be in good health and that we can picture a great future for them and we can paint that picture as we prophesy, as we speak over our children's lives so that we can show them that we're eternally committed to them. And that's the last thing. The way that we bless our children is we stay in it. 
We stay on the team. We don't run away from the team, but we stay on the team and we bless our children because they know that we're committed to them. They know that we're committed to our marriage, our family, we're committed to our children, and it invokes upon their lives a blessing. But today, we're going to reverse the curse of broken families. We are going to release a blessing. Last service was so powerful. We are going to release a blessing on your life. Whether you're single or married, whether you've been divorced or not, I want you to know today God is going to release a blessing in your life. Now I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Psalms 128. Psalms 128. And here's what the Bible says. It says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessing and prosperity will be yours. Your sons and daughters will be olive shoots around your table. I love that. Your sons and daughters will be olive shoots around your table. Thus is the man blessed who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion all the days of your life. And may you see prosperity in Jerusalem. And may you live to see your children's children praise be upon Israel. Wow, that's powerful. Now I have to tell you that, you know, I, I'm 50 years old. Everybody say, you don't look it. Thank you very much. Keep lying to me. Keep telling me. I like it. I like it. And I have three young adult daughters. And, and I can wait a little while. I, I can wait a little while. But there will be a time when, when I want to gather my children and their husbands together and their children. And I, I just want to be a blessed man. I want to look at them. And I want to say, thank you, Jesus. That, Lord, because I feared you and I loved you and I served you, Lord, it paid off. Hallelujah. That, Lord, I've poured into my children. Listen, I want you to write this down. Train hard when they're young so you can manage easy when they're older. Come on, somebody. If you do your work now and you train them well when they're young, you won't have to manage so hard when they're older. You won't have to go get them out of prison. Come on, somebody. You won't have to worry what they're doing. Why? Because you've done your part. You've trained your children in the way they should go. And now that they're old, they will not depart from the faith. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Train hard when they're young so you can manage easy when they're older. And I thank the Lord for my daughters. They're not perfect, but I thank God that they're serving the Lord. That they love ministry and they love the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a very, very blessed man. Because I can look at my children and I can see they love the Lord. And friend, let me tell you something. Being blessed doesn't mean you have a big flat screen TV on your wall and a Mercedes Benz in the driveway. And if you have an extra one, you can give it to me. But that's not, that's not being a blessed person. Being blessed is that you have children that love God. Being blessed means that your children and their children, they love God as well. That you have peace in your home. That you've got peace in your family. That you've got peace in your marriage. That you've got peace in your life. That you love the Lord Jesus Christ and your children love the Lord. That, my friend, is a blessed man. Come on, somebody say amen. That's a blessed person to know that. Psalms 128 declares the man who lives by God's word. The man who obeys God's word, the man who fears the Lord and follows his ways, not the ways of the world, but follows God's way, he will eat the fruit of his labor and not give it to somebody else. Wow, that sounds like alimony to me. That, that, that some people are giving away the fruits of their labor because they're not being faithful to their covenant. You know, Deuteronomy chapter 28 tells us that we have a choice to choose life or death blessings or curses and I want you to go home and read Deuteronomy chapter 28 everybody hold up your Bible or your smartphone right now and say I promise you that I will go home and read Deuteronomy 28 or my hair will fall out <laughs> uh, for some of you you don't have to worry about it but in Deuteronomy 28 you'll see the blessings that come upon people who obey the Lord it said, these are the blessings for the man who obeys the Lord. He will be blessed in the city. He'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of his womb will be blessed. And his children will also be blessed. His children will be olive shoots around his table. His children will be mighty in the land, the Bible says. 
His children will be strong. They will be secure. They will be lovers of God and lovers of their family. Notice what the Bible says in Psalms 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed or favored is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in obeying Him, that delights greatly in His commands. His seed will be mighty in the land. He's talking about your children. He says when you fear the Lord and you bless God and you love God and you follow His commandments, your children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright shall be blessed or favored. Wealth and riches shall be in your house. There it is. Wealth and riches, not big flat screen TVs, but children who love the Lord. That's your wealth, friends. Your children are your wealth. Come on, somebody say, my children are my wealth. And His righteousness will endure forever. You see, the family has always been the framework of society. Someone once said that the homemaker has the ultimate career. All other careers exist to reinforce the homemaker. Come on, somebody. The homemaker is the greatest thing that we can do. Our greatest job is to build our homes. Come on, somebody. And the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. And our first priority is to build our home. We go to work and that's wonderful. And if you have a wife that stays home and she's a homemaker, let me tell you something. You need to hug your wife and say, I bless you and I thank God for you. And I go out to make some money, but here's where we're really making a home. Come on, somebody. Say amen. Glory to God. In fact, Paul writes in Ephesians 3.14, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The family is the bedrock of society. Someone once said, so much of what is best in us is bound up in our love for our family or of our family. That it remains the measure of our stability because it measures our sense of loyalty. All other packs of love or fear derived from it are modeled upon it. The family is the fabric that weaves together our communities. Winston Churchill said that the family is the unit by which we can see all important things in life. So the family is a microcosm of the entire structure of the world. You see, every people group, every nation starts out as a family. You know, in the beginning, the Bible says God created male and female and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and he blessed them. When he said, you be fruitful and multiply, what he was really saying was, is I want you to recreate the family. Why? Because listen to me, look at me. The family is the place in which children learn how to be like God. The family is the place in which we learn how to emulate the characteristics and the nature of God. Because there's nowhere else but the family that we will be tested like we are tested in the family. Our unconditional love will be tested. Come on, somebody say amen. Our faithfulness, our patience, our long-suffering, our self-control will all be tested in the family and we will learn how to get along with one another and emulate God. We'll learn how to enjoy being with people. We'll learn how to enjoy being faithful and patient and kind. We'll learn how to work through our differences in the family and still live together in unconditional love. You see, the family is a laboratory for learning how to be like God. Notice I didn't say laboratory, I said laboratory. It is a laboratory by which we learn how to, how to communicate in the right way with our loved ones. It's the place in which we learn how to be like God. And it's in the family that we as children learn how to operate in a secure environment with a healthy self-image. And the truth is, when that's taken away from a child, a child grows up with strongholds in their life. John Trent he wrote the book, Reversing the Curse or the Cycle of Divorce. He writes in his, in his book, he said, that we need to recognize that children need to grow up in a secure environment. 
He uncovers the very harmful side effects of a family that is broken into pieces by divorce. Now please, let me just say this right away. Because the moment I start talking about divorce, people start getting uncomfortable in here if you've had a divorce. And, and let me just say from the bottom of my heart, this pastor is not throwing stones at you. This pastor loves you and he cares about you. And no matter what happened in the past, you can move forward in God's grace today. And let me just tell you, I'm not here to make you feel bad. But a good pastor has to tell the truth. Come on, somebody. Because, because I believe in this room, God is going to rescue a marriage today. I believe that somebody's going to change their mind today and a family is going to be blessed and saved by this message. And I believe that today in this room, whether you're divorced or you're married, that God is going to release a blessing on your life because you're going to fall in line with what God's word says. You're going to become obedient. You're going to choose life instead of death. And as a result of that, God is going to begin to bless your life. But I need to tell you, that there are some symptoms or strongholds that a child grows up with when they grow up in a, in, a, in a divorced home. You see, John Trent gives us several results that broken families have on children. Number one, listen to me. Children of broken families are much more likely to also have failed marriages. In fact, a number of surveys and studies have discovered that adult children of divorce are far more likely to get divorced themselves than Adults that have grown up in a home where there was no divorce. So let me just say again real quick, and I'm going to be honest with you because I really love you. If you're thinking about getting a divorce, you're in this room right now. Maybe you never came from a divorced family, but you're thinking about getting a divorce. Well, guess what? One day you're going to stand before God and God's going to ask you, why did you begin the cycle of a curse in your family? You see, the Bible says the sins of the parents are visited upon the children to the third generation. And the truth is, you might be here right now and you're thinking, well, maybe I'm going to get a divorce. Well, let me tell you from the bottom of my heart that you may be beginning the cycle of that curse in your family. And so John Trent, he tells us, number two, that children are twice as likely to drop out of high school. The children of divorced families are twice as likely to become teen parents and, and or unmarried parents. Children of divorce are far more likely to become dependent on welfare as adults. John Trent once also wrote, the picture is clear that children and adults whose parents divorce really are living under a curse. And the curse spreads from one generation to another generation until, listen to me, until someone manages to break the cycle. Until someone manages to break the cycle. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to break the cycle. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, if you're in Christ, listen to me, Christ has broken the cycle of sin in your life. Listen to me, the Bible says Christ has become a curse for us so that we might receive the blessing from God. Come on somebody. So if you're in Christ today, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No matter what you've done in the past, if it's under the blood, leave it under the blood. There's no condemnation for you today. There's no throwing stones at you by the grace of God. There go I. But I'm here to tell you today, somebody's going to reverse the cycle. Come on somebody. Somebody's going to reverse the curse and set into motion the blessings of God on their family, on their children, and their children, and their children as well. Come on, somebody. Say amen. amen. So what does a curse mean? Well, a curse is a stronghold. And what is a stronghold? Paul the Apostle said, we wage war not with physical weapons. But the weapons that we wage war with are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down, listen to me, of strongholds. And what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a thought that becomes a way of thinking, that becomes a way of living. And unfortunately, children of divorce, they have to deal with strongholds in their life. There are things that happen to children that come from parents that got divorced that they have to wrestle with in their life. Now, now if you've been divorced, you can work on that. You can work with your children. You can help them through all of this. But I want to make you aware of the things that happen in children's lives. Number one, statistics will show us that children of divorce suffer more from depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, feelings of rejection, 
drug and alcohol abuse, delinquency, poor interpersonal relationships, criminal activity. 65% of children that come from divorce never build a great, positive, close relationship with their fathers. 38% of those who come from divorce never build a positive relationship with their mothers. And if both of those people who are now adults come from divorced families, statistics say that that, that number of failed marriages for people that have already come from a broken family as children, if they're both coming from a divorced family, that that statistic goes up to 189% higher. And so we can see the effects the divorce have on their children. You might say, but why? Why do you call it a curse? Because children of divorce also struggle with isolation. They learn how to isolate themselves because they don't want to be, uh, they don't want to be hurt any longer because divorce has hurt them so bad. They usually have to keep unhealthy secrets because they're embarrassed. Why did my parents get divorced? Well, was it because my dad beat my mom? Was it because my dad cheated on my mom? Maybe there was incense, maybe there was financial collapse, whatever it is, and they're embarrassed, so they have to keep these unhealthy secrets. They have this false sense of guilt. Well, if I would have done better in school, maybe my dad would have stuck around. If I wasn't such a problem child, maybe my mom wouldn't have ran out on the house. And, and they start to internalize all this stuff and believe that they're the very reason why their parents got divorced. They don't know how to make good choices in life so often because they learned how to make bad choices from their parents. There's broken commitments in their life because they've learned that when the tough things happen in our life, instead of getting going, we, we run from the situation. And so there are broken commitments in their life. There's a great fear of getting married. Why would I want to get married? If my parents could make it, what makes me think that I could make it? And even more, even greater, even worse than all of these things is when, when a Christian couple gets divorced and they're coming to church and they're loving God and they're serving God with all their heart and they truly love the Lord. But they can't make this relationship happen. Now their kid is watching this and they're saying to themselves, my, my parents were Christians. They said they loved God and they got divorced. What makes me think that I'm going to have a chance in having a healthy and good long relationship with someone? And then smoldering anger, the stronghold of smoldering anger. Because they've never dealt with this, the hurt and the pain of it. Because their parents never wanted to talk about the pain of it all. And so now they've got all this repressed anger on the inside. Smoldering anger. And now it spills over into their relationship with their, their fiancé or their husband or their wife. But you see, this morning I'm convinced that we can begin to reverse the cycle of broken families in this church. And I'm going to tell you how. Number one. Write this down. If you want to reverse the curse and you want to release a blessing to your family, then the first thing you need to do is you need to forgive or be forgiven. You need to forgive or be forgiven. You see, because if maybe you're here today and you got a divorce in your life. Maybe you weren't a Christian. Maybe you didn't know better. Whatever it might have been. But you failed in that relationship for whatever reason. Maybe you were not the person who walked out. Maybe it was your husband, your wife that walked out. To your child. Your child needs to hear from you. Please forgive me. Forgive the relationship. You might say, well, I wasn't the one that was at fault. Then you need to stand in as the reconciler. As the Bible says that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And we need to stand in for our relationship, for that marriage, and say to our children, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for getting a divorce. I failed. We failed. Whatever failed. But please forgive me. When you say that with your mouth, you are producing life. Why? Because you are, you are right now beginning the healing process in your child's life. Because what? You're wanting to see the truth, speak the truth, repent of the things that you've done, and you open their heart so that they can talk about it. You open their heart so that they can forgive you and receive forgiven, forgiveness in their life for having bitterness. Maybe you don't even know it, but it's there in their heart. So we need to release healing into our children's life 
by asking for forgiveness. But maybe you're a child and your parents got divorced. Well, you need to get on the phone and you need to say to your father, your mother, I forgive you for the pain that was inflicted upon me because I'm a child that's come from a family that's been broken. And so that you can release forgiveness into their life as well. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. And I want you to notice what 1 John chapter 1 says about living in the truth. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Listen to me. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. You know what he's saying? He's saying the only way you can have fellowship with one another is when you walk in the truth. It's when you have a light session. When the light of God's word and the light of God's truth is revealed over a situation. When you say, Lord, I'm sorry. I ask for your forgiveness. I confess my sins. When you open it up and you speak truth in a relationship, you can get along with one another. Why? Because the truth sets you free. And so you're operating now in truthfulness. You're operating in the light. Notice what he says. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have not sinned, we're liars and the truth is not in us. Come on somebody. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on somebody saying that. You see when you confess your faults one to another, you can receive healing in your life. When you confess your faults to your children and say I'm human, I made a mistake, I did the wrong thing, would you forgive me? That opens the door for them to be healed in their life. Come on somebody say amen. Number two, change your mindset from a worldly mindset to a biblical mindset. Can I be honest with you? Divorce has invaded the church. You know, down south, more people that are Christians get divorced than non-Christians. And I'm going to tell you why this is happening in our society and in churches today. Born-again, Christian, spirit-filled churches. Because we are embracing a worldly view of divorce. We're mixing grace with the worldly view of divorce and, 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 it's, and it's coming from the pulpits. Well, you can get divorced and then after you get divorced, you can just ask God to forgive you and He'll forgive you. You know, the Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, he also reaps. And God will forgive you, but you will reap the consequences for a lifetime for the poor decision that, decision that you made. And your children and their children will reap the consequences until somebody breaks the cycle. And so it's important for us to have a biblical mindset about marriage and divorce. There's been too many watered down sermons about marriage and divorce that the church is so confused and people are embracing this idea that it's okay. But I want you to see in Matthew chapter 19, what Jesus thinks about divorce. I want you to see what Paul the Apostle thinks about divorce and marriage in 1 Corinthians 7. And then I want you to see what God thinks about marriage in Ephesians chapter 5. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Verse 3. And some of the Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. And they asked... Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that in the beginning the Creator made the male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let no man put asunder. Let no man separate. Now let me look at me for a moment. I want to tell you there is an incredible assault on our society, an incredible assault on our nation when it comes to marriage and families. And why is that so? Because the marriage and the family is the bedrock, it is the very fabric of every society. When marriages and homes break up, our marriages and our homes, when they break up, it destroys the very fabric of our society. Nations implode when families break up. And so if the enemy now can deceive us into believing that a family is made up of whatever you want that family to be made up of, little by little he will erode away the possibility for us to have a family designed by God. 
See, God in the beginning created male and female, and he said to the male and female, recreate family units so that society can be strong. But today we want to redefine the definition of a family. Two men can be a family. Two women can be a family. But see, little by little, we're going to erode away. You might say, well, it looks good right now. It looks like we're not narrow-minded. It looks like we're not bigoted. It looks like we're tolerant of all people. But friends, as you embrace this tolerance for the redefinition of marriage, as you embrace this tolerance to the redefinition of the family, the family starts to be a dis disjointed this, and it starts to erode away and away and away and away until a society is destroyed. Rome was not destroyed from without. It was destroyed from within. And let me tell you, one of the greatest reasons why Rome was destroyed was because of homosexuality. One of the greatest reasons Rome was destroyed was because there was a redefinition of God's design of the family. Jesus said it in the beginning. God created male and female. And he said the man, male shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. So they said, why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. Well, you see, back in that time, in Moses' time, it was so bad. Families were so bad that a husband could actually beat his wife for burning the pork chop. Well, they couldn't have pork chop. They were Jewish. <laughs> and, 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 he says, and, and, and he said, because of the hardness of your heart, notice what he says. Notice what Jesus says. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your heart was hard. Because you weren't obeying the word. Your life was a mess. You were far from the will of God and God's design for your family. Notice what he said. But it was not that way in the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Paul's view on marriage. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. To the married I give this command, not I but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say this. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through the wife. And the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are set apart or holy. Come on, somebody. God's view on marriage. Ephesians 5.25 Husbands, love your wives. As Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. That he might present himself, the church, in all of her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle and any other such thing. But that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own Wife loves himself. He who loves his wife has a blessed life. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. And the two, listen to me, look at me. And the two shall become one flesh. The husband will leave his father and mother, leave, cleave, and weave together so that they become one flesh. And the Bible says when a man divorces his wife, he does violence against the family. Why? Because you are now bonded together. And it is a very violent spiritual act of pulling away 
a very violent physical, a very violent emotional act of pulling away. He says you do violence to your wife when you divorce her. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. That sounds like eternal commitment. Husbands, care for your wife as Christ cares for the church. That sounds like eternal commitment. I will never leave you, never forsake you, the Lord says. But I have loved you with an everlasting love. God is a God of reconciliation. It sounds like God is a God of victory, not defeat. God is not a God of failure, but God is a God of winning and succeeding in marriages. Well, we all make mistakes and we all fail. And that's where we need the mercy of God and the grace of God. And so I'm going to talk about that in a few moments. But number three, I want to tell you that if you want to reverse the curse in your marriage, and let me tell you, I'm talking to a lot of young people here, and that's who I really want to talk to right now, because let me tell you, We've made our share of mistakes and we've been in this thing already. You're just starting out. Man, learn. Get knowledge. Have all the knowledge that you can. Why? You know why? Because marriage is all about stages in our life. And the truth is, in the beginning of your marriage, things could be great. You get married and you say, I do, I do, I do. And then the first stage comes. Unrealistic expectations that are not met by your spouse. What are you going to do? You pull out the tool in your toolbox. The principle that you learned in marriage to deal with that stage in your life. Oh now second stage. You're married for five years. And the first baby comes. The second baby comes. The third baby comes. The fourth oops comes. I mean the fourth really really great. Godly, wonderful, orchestrated by God, knit together in your mother's womb person comes. And you're working like a dog. You got two jobs. And you're just trying to put food on the table. And you're struggling to keep the relationship alive. You go in your toolbox and you get the principle out. The knowledge that God has given you. Knowledge is power. Your children get a little older, they leave the house, and now you've got empty nest syndrome. Your husband wants to go out and sell the house and get a red Corvette, and he wants to put an earring in his ear and a tattoo on his arm, and you're wondering, what in the world do I do? Go in the toolbox, get the principle out, and apply it to your life. Knowledge is power. Come on, somebody. The Bible says, my people perish for their lack of of knowledge. You ought to have a book on your night table about marriage. You ought to be able to go into your house and go on the shelf and say, this is how I love my wife. This is how I love my husband. You need knowledge. The Bible says, get knowledge. Get wisdom. Read the Proverbs. It's all about getting knowledge and getting wisdom. What is knowledge? Knowledge is this is what you should do. Wisdom is, is this is what you've learned how to do as you've taken your knowledge and you've applied it to your life. Come on somebody. That was good. Amen. Knowledge is power. Now, now let me tell you. Yesterday I was blown away. I was so thankful. The sanctuary was filled with couples that came yesterday to go through a two-day seminar on being better spouses. I, if you're here and you went to the seminar, just stand up right now if you were here and you went to the seminar. Let's applaud these folks that went to the seminar. Yes, yes, yes. God bless you. Awesome. Because you're learning and you're growing. This couple, they're not even married yet. And they went to a married couple's seminar. I like that. Give them a big hand. It's awesome. And when you get married, Raymond, and if I have the chance to pray over your marriage or whatever, I want to see you go, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I want to see some excitement there, my brother. Number four, make a choice to break the cycle of divorce. You see, curses can follow a person or a race or a nation or a generation unless there is a supernatural breakthrough which breaks the curse of divorce. Deuteronomy 30, 15 says, See, 
I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. I have set before you life and death, blessing, listen to me, and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Let me tell you something. It's your choice. God's saying to you today, are you going to choose life? And when you, when you choose to obey God, you choose life. When you choose to do it God's way, you choose life. When you choose to learn and grow and apply the principles of forgiveness and communication and one flesh and covenant, you choose life. And when you choose life, you're choosing to bless not only yourself, but the generation that is to come. And number five, let me say as the worship team comes, number five, live in God's grace. You want to reverse the curse and release a blessing in your life over your family, over your marriage? Listen to me. Live in God's grace. Now I know grace is there so that God would forgive us when we fail. But listen to me. All too often we use grace in our failure and not grace to succeed and win. Listen to me. We apply grace to our failure but we never apply grace to our successes and friend it's all by grace we are who we are because of the grace of God we are who we are because grace is power in our life it's not just forgiveness but it's power and I know some of you in this room look at me listen to me right now you live in a situation that's so hard I know some of you, you just can't wait till Tuesday morning to get on the phone and call me up and say, but you don't understand my situation, Pastor Steve. I know some of you, you're dying to write me a letter and say, Pastor Steve, you don't understand my husband. You don't understand my wife. You don't understand what I've been through in my life. What I'm still going through in my life. Living in my home is like a living hell, Pastor Steve. I don't understand what you're going through, but I understand this one thing. That God's grace is sufficient. And with man it is impossible to do that which only God can do. But with God all things are possible. Come on somebody. Say, God all things are possible. Live in the grace. What's grace? Grace is God's favor. Grace is God's power. Grace is God's courage. Grace is God's love flowing through you. Grace is God's forgiveness flowing through you. Grace is God's spirit flowing through you. Grace is God's fruit flowing through you. Grace is God's faithfulness flowing through you. God's grace working in your life, flowing through you, touching other people. You say, Pastor Steve, but you don't understand. You don't understand my, my position. You don't understand my situation. And God says, my grace is sufficient. Let me be honest with you. For some of you, you say, Pastor Steve, my marriage is like a thorn in my flesh. And some of you, you've been saying, man, if I could just get that thorn out of my life, then I'll be happy in my life. If I could just remove the thorn, that person out of my life, then everything will be better. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you in this room, you've been praying, God, just take that thorn out of my life. And just like Paul the Apostle, he went to the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he said, God! He said, God! He said, take this thorn out of my life. He said, a messenger of Satan has come to buffet me. Now, now don't call your spouse a messenger of Satan. And he said, God, I can't take it any longer. He said, take this thorn out of my life. And he said, I prayed three times to be released from this painful situation. I prayed three times, Lord, let me out of this situation. And the Lord looked down and said, Paul, no. He said, I'm going to leave you in that situation. But I promise you this one thing. My grace is sufficient. That when you're weak, I make you strong. When you come to the end of yourself, you can come to me, glory to God. And I'll give you power. When you come to the end of your rope, I'll give you power. When you get to the last, the last part of your life and you can say, God, I've been faithful to you. It's only been because of the grace of God. It's only been because God's given you the courage and the strength to keep on moving on. When you get to the end of yourself, God says, 
I'll give you grace. I want you to stand to your feet right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Can you raise your hands right now all across this place and say, thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your grace in my life. Thank you for your power in my life. And lastly, make a choice to pass it on. Because, listen to me, when you make the right choice, you're not only making the choice for yourself, but you're making the choice for your children and their children, so on, so on. You're making a choice to pass on the blessing instead of the curse. So I want you to bow your heads right now. And I want to pray for you. And we're going to release a blessing over your life right now. Are you ready? We're going to release a blessing. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. Maybe you're here today and you're the child of parents who were divorced. I pray for you right now. I pray that God, you would touch each and every person in this room. And God, that you would heal their broken hearts, God. God, that you would begin to mend their broken hearts, God. And that God, that you would give them grace to forgive. Grace to move forward. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm the person who got a divorce. Maybe you weren't the person who walked out. But you're in a situation where you've been divorced. I pray for you right now. I pray that God would touch you. That you would receive the forgiveness of God. You see, you can't change what you did in the past. But you can make some decisions for the future. I pray, God, that you would touch these wonderful people, God, and that you would begin the healing process in their life, God. Lord, if they were wounded by someone, I pray that they would forgive the person that wounded them and hurt them. Because, God, bitterness is the poison that we drink while we wait for the other person to die. And, God, I pray that the root of bitterness and anger and unforgiveness would be chopped at the root, God. People would be set free from bitterness and anger, God. They can move forward, God, forgiving the person that, that hurt them, God. Lord God, if they've hurt somebody, that they would go back and say, forgive me. God, that you would give them grace to look at their children straight in the eye and say, we failed. We failed you. We believe that God can do anything, but we failed. We didn't listen. We didn't obey. And we ask for your forgiveness today. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor... I've bought into the lie of the world and I've, I've been toying with divorce I've been thinking that's my only solution and I want out of the relationship but after you spoke today I know it's not the right thing and I need God's grace to stay with it I need God's grace to help me to get the, the counsel I need I need God's grace to help me to get the education I need Maybe you're here today and you're by yourself. Your husband is not serving the Lord. Your wife is not serving the Lord. I want you to look at me for a moment. In the first service, listen to me, in the first service, it was so powerful. We called everybody forward and, and Jim Bennett walked forward and, and, and came right here with his beautiful wife. Jim Bennett is a man, he's an elderly man in his 70s who was away from the Lord for many years, many years, and his wife would come to the church. Her name was Gwen Bennett. And she would come to this altar and say, I'm standing on your word, God. I'm standing on your word. God, you're going to save my husband, God. Lord, you're going to do it. And I'll never forget the Sunday morning when the pastor gave the message. I was a young man back then. I wasn't the pastor. And Jim Bennett got out of his seat. And he walked down this aisle right here. And he stood right here and he gave his life to Jesus. Well, Jim Bennett has been an elder in the church for over 25 years. He's serving God, loving God with all of his heart. I can just imagine how Jim Bennett feels today when he sits around the Christmas dinner with all of his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren. 
And he says, I made the right choice 30 years ago when I came to this altar and gave my life to Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. But it was the prayers of Gwen. It was the prayers of this woman who would not give up. Say, God, give me grace, Lord. And believe that, God, you're going to do something great in my husband's life. But more than all of that, how many of you in this room, you want to pass on the blessing? How many of you want to break the curse and pass on the blessing? Come on, let me see your hands. You want to break the curse and pass on the blessing to your children. Well, today we're going to break the curse. So here's what we're going to do right now. Quickly, quickly. If you're a married couple, I want you to get out of your seat. Grab your spouse. I saw my honey here somewhere. Irene, would you tell my honey? Because she, she sometimes can't hear from my Tell her. Come on up here, honey. This is my sweetie right here. The best part of my life. My sweet right here. Man, am I going to get in trouble for this one? I want all the couples to come and join my wife and I right now. Come on. If you have couples, I want you to come. Come on. Come on. If you're a couple, come. Now, I want to talk to you that are here today that your husband or your wife is not with you. And you're standing and you're believing. They may be homesick. They may be not serving the Lord right now. But your husband's not here. I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar right now and stand for your husband or your wife right now. Come on, come on. I want to talk to all you singles today. You're single. Listen to me. Marriage is not the utopia of life. Well, sometimes I feel like it is with my wife. But marriage is not the utopia of life. Being in the will of God is the utopia of life. Just knowing that you're right smack dab in the will of God. Whether you get married or not, Paul was not married. But he was smack dab in the will of God's will for his life. Jesus was not married, but he was smack dab right in the, the will of God, his Father. And so if you're a single today... I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar right now and say, God, all I want is your will for my life. Come on, come on. If you're single, all I want is your will for my life. Come on, come on. That's all I want is your will. If you're a young person, you're a teenager, you're a young adult, say, you know what? I want to do it God's way. Not my way, but God's way. I want you to get out of your seat and say, I want to do it God's way. I want you to get out of your seat right now and say, you know what? I'm going to break the curse. Maybe you come from a divorced family. You're a teenager, young adult, and you've been, you've been afraid of marriage. When you think about marriage, it just really scares you. But I want you to know that, that God, He's doing something great in your life. Because here, here's the deal. When you come to Christ, when you come to Christ, and you start living for Christ, you break the curse. Hallelujah. You break the curse in your family so that now the blessings can come upon your life. I want you to sing this song with me. And this is what it says. Like a rose trampled underfoot, Christ came and died for us so that He became the curse so that we might receive the blessings of God. And so I want you to raise your hands right now and thank God for the grace of God right now. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Close your eyes and just worship Him right now. Let's just thank God for His grace right now. Come on. Crucified, lay behind the stone. You live to die, rejected and alone, like a rose trampled on the ground. You took the fall. Down the ground, 
place right now Holy Spirit do your work right now Holy Spirit we can feel you right now we sense your presence in this place Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit we pray that, that you would bring grace into our life pour out your power upon us Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit, give us the love that we need. Give us the fruit that we need. Give us the power that we need. Give us the courage that we need. Holy Spirit, give us the love, the faithfulness, the self-control, God, that we need. Holy Spirit, descend upon your church right now and break the cycle, God. Break the curse right now, Lord. And today we release a blessing. We release a blessing in Jesus' name. Come on, raise your hands and say this with me. Father, let me hear you say, Father, Daddy God, thank you for loving me 
with an everlasting love. Daddy, thank you for never leaving me, nor forsaking me. Daddy, thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you for dying like a beautiful rose. Every petal ripped off of your body, pierced and hung on an old rugged cross for me, that I might be reconciled, that I might receive the blessings of God. Holy Spirit, empower me, strengthen me to stay true to my covenant. Help me to live in your power right now, right now, right now. I break the curse. I break the cycle and I release a blessing upon my family in the name of Jesus. Let it be done. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a, a clap for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you're married, I want you to take a moment as everybody begins to leave. Take a moment to be with your spouse and whisper in their ear. And whatever you want to say, bless them. Put your arm around them and affirm them and speak life over your marriage. And bless your marriage and release the anointing of God on your marriage. Lord, we thank you for today, God. We thank you, Lord God, for what was broken in the spiritual realm and what will be released, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everyone said, and everyone said, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. We love you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. God bless you.